When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Good evening. Hello. Tonight I should like to play for you a little melody using eight ordinary glasses of water. Just to demonstrate how I produce this lovely sound, I fill up this glass so. And and strike it with this small hammer so. (laughs) A little melody using seven ordinary glasses of water. I fill up the glass so. And strike it so. Ah. <laughs> Thus producing a note very similar to what I get if I ring this small bell. You see? <laughs> Listen carefully now. There's the glass and there's the bell. <laughs> well, now, Melody, using seven ordinary glasses of water. So let's just run up the eight notes of the scale produced by filling to different levels these seven <laughs> ordinary glasses. Do, re, me <laughs> Fa So La Tea Do Now a little melody using three ordinary glasses of water. One Two And three One ordinary glass of water. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> Frightfully sorry, I am so sorry. Once again, the Angus Prune tune brings to the microphone those jailbirds of the air. Tim Brooke Taylor, John Cleese, David Hatch, Joe Kendall and Velody. And here to give us the word go is the voice of the nation's heartthrob, John Otto Cleese. It's I'm sorry, I'll read that again. Again. <laughs> We now take you to the International Trade Exhibition in East Germany. Uh, Roll up, um, uh, roll up to the uh, British stand, uh, East German, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Roll up and uh, see the new British aeroplane. It's, uh, it's lovely. Uh, You, sir. Uh, Yes, you, sir. Hello, sweetheart. Uh, Good morning, sir. Good morning, sweetie pie. What are you selling there now? Chips, huh? uh, uh, no, 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 no. We're, we're selling our new aeroplane, you see. Oh, yes, there it is. It's, uh, well, it's lovely. It's not as lovely as you are, baby. Really, I saw it. You know that angel's 
first. How would you like to defect, huh? <laughs> we could give you a pretty good time. How about a sugar? What about that? Uh, no, no, no. I, I've... Uh... Don't tell you what, sugar. How about you come around on my pad this evening, huh? Rely on a few dollars, have a good time, blue films, lots of spaghetti. Maybe you'd like to defect, huh? Uh, uh no, no, uh, no. How'd you like to spy for us then, sugar plum? You and your beautiful eyes, go on. Uh, no, no. No, no, no. Um, how, how would you like to buy a plane? Yes. Uh, a nice aeroplane. Yes, for flying. Hmm, in the sky. In the sky. Oh. Forwards, yeah. Well, I like that one up there. Yeah, hey, you're quite a salesman, cutie. Do you know that? <laughs> oh, thank you. You don't have much, you don't have much trouble with the girls, huh? Do uh, no, no. yeah, uh, you see Mitzi over there? She could be yours, you know. You know that. Uh, really? <laughs> Look, um, uh, you love our country treasure. You know? uh, no, no, no. I, I don't think I would. We'd pay, pay you well, you know. Would you? Now, look, please, please, please buy a plane. Oh, um, just as a, uh, you know, matter of interest, you know, purely hypothetically, of course. Um, if I did have a, you know, friend who was uh, interested in defecting, um, <clears throat> how much? Hundred pounds a week, sweetie. Hundred pounds a week. Is your friend interested in cricket? Oh, oh yes, yes. He could be president of the East Berlin MCC. You know? Could he? Could he? <laughs> I'm chairman of the test selectors. Of course. We're trying to get cricket in the Olympic Games. Uh, are you? And, uh, and would he be able to bring his wife? I'm afraid not. Oh, splendid, splendid. A uh, hundred pounds, a hundred pounds. Um, look, look, please, Bart Lane. Um, look, um, when would you uh, want to know, you know, if, uh, if he you know, could come? Now. I'll come. Yes, I'll come. Oh, they're rotten planes anyway. Oh, Mrs. Wonderful, wonderful. Hello, East Germany. Goodbye, swinging London. Goodbye, English pubs. Goodbye, roast beef and Yorkshire pudding. Hey, wait a minute. Goodbye, Manchester United. Hello, East Berlin. Wait a moment. What else have you got in England? What? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we present David Hatch in part 17 of our thrilling adventure serial in two parts and six episodes. Surely this is usually at the end. Yes, I know, but they're still writing the end of the show. Uh, so, meanwhile, here is The Curse of the Flying Wombat. Tim Brown Windsor and the mate of the flying wombat, um, Mr. Hatch, in deadly peril on the, uh, the precarious rope bridge over the Victoria Falls. Suddenly, the bridge begins to collapse. No, 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 no. you've got it all wrong. Oh, have I? Oh, sorry. Oh. They were being held up at gunpoint. Ah, in gunpoint, yes, yes. I think I'm going to get it. Uh, they were being held up, weren't they, by that awfully um, sinister chap, Casey O'Sullivan, and his, uh, his, his sidekick, I think it's a well, his sidekick, uh, Masha Wilkins, <clears throat> on board the flying wombat. Um, that's it. Uh, what will happen? Is it all over? Uh, will our hero triumph for or, or not? Is that all right? So, Tim Van Winsor, your time has come. Masher has a gun. And when I give him the word... You fiend, you wouldn't dare. Okay, Masher, let him have it. All right, boss. Here you are, mister. Please accept this down with my compliment. You great twit. Mr. Hatch, take this. Take these two rogues and give them 50 lashes. Well, don't bother. We've bought our own makeup. <laughs> With the two villains securely locked up below the decks, life aboard the ship went on as usual. Oh, you sing your filthy old song of the sea. Way, hey, and scupper the poop. Fill all your tankards and listen to me. Heave away, boy, 
Good. Well, my top greens, I don't know where I'd be without you. As a matter of fact, I don't know where I am anyway. So I'm pretty sure we're, we're somewhere off, off, off the coast of uh, uh, Scotland. Yes, that's where we are. So, so we'll put into Aberdeen to pick up some supplies and a few more humorous characters, I dare say. Captain Cleese, look up there in the sky. Good heavens, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's a bird. You're right. You're right, it's a messenger pigeon. And what's that tied to its leg? Uh, it's a messenger. <laughs> good, good afternoon, gentlemen. Oh, not him again. <laughs> it's Grimbling, butler to my aunt Lady Constance de Coverlet. Oh, uh, oh uh, uh, I've been travelling like this for two days. Phew. <laughs> you put... You poor soul, why it's put years on you. Your hair has turned quite white. Well, if you'd been tied under a pigeon... <laughs> that is a very old and rather unpleasant joke. <laughs> it was a very old and rather unpleasant pigeon. <laughs> Be that as it may. Yes, it what is news, old. Grimbling? I've got a message from your aunt, Lady Constance de Coverlet. Two days aloft was I. Through storm and tempest we flew. The wind blew upon my old grey head. The rain rained upon it, and the snow fell upon it, and the pigeon flew onward, sir. Onward through the storm. But what of the message, Grimbling? I dropped it. Not to worry, not to worry, though. I remember what it was. Your aunt said she'd be joining you at Aberdeen. Capital. No, that's Edinburgh. Grimbling. Grimbling, kindly remember your place. Uh, bottom of page three, sir. <laughs> that is not very funny. Neither was page two. <laughs> Aberdeen on the port bow. My goodness, that was quick. And, and here's her ladyship coming up the gangway. Hello, auntie. Hello, dear boy. <laughs> very well, thank you. Uh, we would like to mention at this point that Mr. Brooke Taylor is playing both Tim Brown Windsor and Tim Brown Windsor's aunt. Uh, auntie. I'm sorry, isn't he? In the theatre, they call this versatility. But in the BBC, we call it economy. Let's hear those lines again. Hello, auntie. Hello, dear boy. How are you? Very well, thank you. Welcome aboard, madam, in my usual voice. Oh, oh you're too kind, sir. I don't think I've had the pleasure. Liar. <laughs> this is Captain Please, auntie. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'll read that again. <laughs> this, this is Captain Please, auntie. Lady Constance the Coverlet. But you can call me bedspread. <laughs> but tell me, Timothy, what are you doing on this ship? He was forced to come on board the flying wombat, Lady Coverlet. Press gang, does they have it in the Navy? Yes, and don't they have it in the Navy? <laughs> but who are you, young fellow? I am Jim Lad, the cabin boy. Then why are you wearing a skirt? It's all right, Auntie. Jim Ladd isn't a boy. He's a girl. It's my fiancée, Fiona Rabbit Vacuum. We were, we were press ganged aboard the Flying Wombat, and now we're on our way to Kathmandu. I don't get it. At your age, I'm not surprised. <laughs> Suddenly. What was that? Look, the mast. Casey O'Sullivan and Master Wilkins have got free, and they're soaring through the mast. It's coming down. Look out! 
Too late, we're done for. <laughs> Will they ever get the green eye of the little yellow god? Yes, I forgot about that. Listen again to part five of this exciting cereal next Monday at half past eight in the morning. Why at half past eight in the morning? It's a breakfast cereal. (laughs) We would now like you to imagine a bald little man waddling up to the microphone. We must ask you to imagine it because Bill Oddie is so small he's invisible to the human eye. Take it away, Bill, and don't bother to bring it back. When some people are morose, they find a little dose of Offenbach will often spark their mood. But even Bartok and Sibelius, for me, are total failure. Want to get smarter about investing? Then tune in to the Capital Ideas podcast from Capital Group, home of American Funds Distributors, Inc., one of the world's leading asset managers. Learn from portfolio managers with decades of experience by listening to the Capital Ideas podcast today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. has done more harms than good. So I would like you to know, sir, there is only one composer who ever wrote a note that made me laugh. And there's an impudent refrain that is running round my brain that I often like to whistle in my bath. There's a little melody, but it's the only one for me. Feeling sad and blue, I will tell you what to do. Grab your own straw hat to sing Beethoven Smith. When life is dire, then you require something that's sweet and hot. Well, have no fear, look who's here. Beethoven, what do you got? You got a kinky kind of tune, the kind of kids all love to croon. So when your sights are on the heights, just take a lift and learn to sing. You love to swing. Oh, baby. 
history. The British nation has lightly passed the minutes of our darkest hours and mingled the darker skins amongst our lighter hues. Morning, Hugh. Today, we are going to tell you about 1066 and the man who is named after it. Well, most of us were named after 1066. <laughs> it is on the lips of every schoolboy. Lipstick. William the Conqueror. What do we know of William? Well, firstly, of course, he was a Norman. I thought you said he was a William. No, the whole army were Normans. Were there any Freds or Willies or Garfunkels? They were all Normans. It made roll call easier. It also meant William was on first name terms with his whole army. Very good for morale. And very bad for morals. I knew a girl once who was on first name terms with a regiment. That is incredibly boring. <laughs> anyway, she called it Reggie. Be that as it may, William, Duke of Normandy, had decided to claim the English throne. I want the English throne. <laughs> the coast was clear because a few days earlier, a large army of Scandinavians had landed in Yorkshire. Oh, pair girls. <laughs> and Harold went straight to meet them. I don't blame him. No, to fight them. I still don't blame him. William's army. What an army it was. He had some splendid knights. And then they left Paris. <laughs> and, and caught the cross-channel ferry. With him were a band of stalwart men who were William's aides. Yes, and one of them had a great big silver ring in his ear. Why? He was William's earring aide. <laughs> well, be that as it may, as the Norman army advanced towards Hastings, they looked a splendid sight. The Normans are wearing absolutely fabulous snappy chuckaboots with tiny pointed helmets which go perfectly with their tiny pointed heads. Duke William has on a big, powerful, if you'll pardon the expression, a breastplate with a matching saucer, a tiny lawn girdle, and the whole ensemble is rounded off splendidly, dramatically, with his old Etonian tie. Uh, thank you, William. They were short of time. William appealed to his army. It was all that kinky gear. <laughs> Men of Normandy, are you with me, heart and soul? Yes, we are, Ducky. <laughs> How many more times must I tell you, D-U-K-E spells Duke. <laughs> Meanwhile, Harold's army had marched all day for the past six months and was rapidly descending from the north. Events were beginning to take shape, but there was still one vital person who had yet to play a part. Me. Couldn't I have a passionate love scene with Harold where he sweeps me off in his hairy arms um, and um, his breath um, mingles uh, with mine uh, um, and he holds uh, me look, close? Uh, Harold, Harold, um, well, I don't know how to put this really. Uh, he didn't really like, uh, ladies. <laughs> you don't, uh, mean... Um... Good heavens. <laughs> I say. Well, i tell you one thing for sure, I'm not playing him. Oh, <laughs> Oh, come on, Tim. No, I'm always getting the la-di-da parts, and I'm fed up with it. Fed up with it. She could be one of the seamstresses. That's right. She can be patching the royal bedspread, and in comes William. Musing on the morrow. <laughs> oh, I say, who are you? Seamstress patching yole in my royal bedspread. I am a seamstress patching yole in your royal bedspread. I'd never have guessed. My word, you're a comely wench. First comely, first served, sir. <laughs> But, uh, what are you doing in the royal chamber? Get out at once and put it back under the royal bed. I have come to interview you for the tapestry, sire. Well, get weaving. But first, I crave a favor. Anything, my lord and master. See if there's a man under my bed, will you? 
Not you too. Well, you don't understand. My life is in peril. What if there turned out to be a man underneath that frock? I should be so lucky. Sorry. But I must ask you to remove all your clothes. Just a routine inspection. <laughs> this is where we better have a musical played out. Uh, Dave, a suitable piece of seductive smoothery, please. He's fired. He's drunk, you mean. These musicians... I know. Maybe we'd better set the next scene. Yeah, all right, the scene. Harold's cap. Yes, we know that. <laughs> As the army slumbered soundly in the warmth of their wiki-ups... Slumber, slumber, slumber. Wiki-up, wiki-up, wiki-up. There were those who never slept, but plotted throughout the night. Plot, 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 plot. <laughs> the flight of the eagle has been delayed till the sunken claws of the ferret are crushed. No, that giant panther of the purple pagoda is perpetually feigned. Look at the milk. Yes, please. The roosters are upstairs. I know. I can hear the rats flying. I think we understand each other. Yes, we're both daft. <laughs> thing to wear. Mm. Now, listen, my Lord Chamberlain. Yes, madam? Well, one of us is wrong. Look, we haven't got any plans for the morrow. Then we'd better make some. By midday, plans were afoot. And by evening, they were 18 inches. Oh. So the battle started. Remember, Harold's team are in the darker shirts and are fighting from right to left. So let's go over straight away to our radio map for the present state of the battle. Hello, I'm your radio map. I'm here to tell you what's going on. Imagine an apple. The English army are represented by the little stalk in the hollow at the top. And they spread out and down the hill thus far. At the core of the apple lie the forces of William. Now, Harold's plan is to draw William forward, thus. And to cut him off halfway up on the right-hand side of the apple. And then when William has three lessons to me, do it that. And then you have brought. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the battlefield rings with opposing orders. The battle raged all day and on into the evening with overtime. Towards sunset, as a desperate ploy, William shouted his last orders. Last orders, gentlemen, please. This devilish trick lured the English down the hill and into the pub. There they were surrounded, and Harold received his fatal wound. Blood in your eye, Harold. Harold's eyes narrowed, but not enough. Oh, oh I'm slain. Oh, slain. Slain. Oh, I'm done for. Murdered. 
Yeah, that is Harold. Oh. Was I all right? <laughs> was all over. William had proved himself a worthy victor. I thought he was Norman. No, he was victor. And why was he called William? To settle the argument. William had conquered England. Anyway, there it is, and if you'll excuse me, I've got a train to catch. Tune brings to an end another edition of I'm Sorry I'll Read That Again, which was written this week by Graham Garden, John Cleese, Tim Rook Taylor, Eric Idle, and Bill Oddie, who also wrote the songs. Additional materials by Andy Smith and Don Curl. The music was provided by Dave Lee, and the voices you heard were those of Tim Rook Taylor, John Cleese, David Hatch, Joe Kendall, and Bill Oddie. The production was by Humphrey Barclay, the most swinging man in the studio. We shall be cutting him down after the show. Tune to Prune at the same time again next week to hear John Otto Cleese say... It's I'm sorry, I'll read that again. Again. <laughs> when you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.